God, thank you so much for giving us this morning to be together, um, just as a church family. Mm. I pray, you know, God, it's so easy for me to forget just what, what a gift it is that we have this. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what a gift it is that you've called us into your, uh, out of darkness and into your marvelous lights. Mm-hmm. God, that you've chosen us to be a royal priesthood and a holy mm. nation. That's just incredible. Mm-hmm. God, that you've brought us into this amazing, amazing mm-hmm. life, God, that you've designed for us. As I pray we could just tune into that today as we read through your, your word, that we try to just get a little bit closer to you today. I pray that we can be compelled, convicted, um, God, to be inspired by you, by Jesus. God, that we can walk away uh, just a little bit closer to you and each other. God, so we, we love you. Thank you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. 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 Today we look at John chapter 15. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to start with, from this premise today. That if you um, if, if you if you love something, you don't have to be told mm. to invest in that thing, mm-hmm. or to do that thing, or to or to be with that person. Right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you love that person, if you really love something, you don't have to be forced into investing into whatever that thing is mm. that, that you love. Um, something that I love is uh, smoking brisket. Um, now, I want to say you can love something without being good at it, okay? So that's where I'm at with the nursery right now, but I love it. And, and there's something really interesting about the, you know, Cody and I have talked about this. There's easier cuts of meat to smoke than brisket, right? Brisket, we're talking like a 13, 14-hour process, okay? I started prepping. I did some brisket last night. That's why it's on my mind. I started prepping the brisket yesterday at 4 in the afternoon, I didn't finish until 9 this morning, like, working on the brisket. I won't get into the whole process. I could. I won't. Right? But it's, it's like this weird thing. It's a lot of work. Mm. But I love doing it. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it. It's like you, you break down the process. Okay, if you think about it logically, it's like, all right, Daniel, how do I want to spend a weekend? Well, how would I not sleep for a night and I tend to fire every 30 minutes and I smell like smoke and then I do it horribly and maybe it won't be good? Yeah, I'll do that. Like, when you break down the logic, it doesn't really make sense. But there's something about the process something that I love. Mm-hmm. Something visceral about tending the fire. There's something cool about trying to get a piece of meat to taste as good as it can be without sauces, right? I don't, you know, we don't need anything in the barbecue bay right now. But without <laughs> sausage, salt, pepper, and the right wood over a long period of time, there's something really cool about that. Something I really enjoy about that. On paper, it does not seem exciting, but there's something I love mm. about it. And you don't have to, like, nobody has to course me into doing brisket. I'm going to do it because I like doing it. Um, again, I don't know if it's going to be good, but, you know, I'm going I'm I'm to do it. And with G- Jesus, right, so we're, we're, just, we're starting in chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus, I'm just, I'm going to back up to give a little bit of context. See, in, in, in John, like, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, we have one of the most profound, in my opinion, one of the most profound, uh, just moments of time that we get to experience with Jesus and his disciples. It, it starts off with him washing uh, their feet in, in the upper room, right? This is right before the Last Supper, okay? And then and then there's this huge, they, they call this portion of Scripture in John the Upper Room Discourse, okay? Because it's just Jesus unpacking these, mon- these massive, monumental, eternal level truths to them. And if I'm being honest, if I was like in that room listening to Jesus, I would just be like nodding along, and, and he'd be like, does that make sense? And I'd be like, uh, yeah, right? Like I wouldn't really be getting it. There's just like some huge, thanks you. And he's just coming off of telling them, hey, look, if you love me, 
you will obey my commands. If you love me, you obey my commands. So keep my word. Um, and then he says the inverse is also true. I know you won't love me if you're not obeying my commands. If the inverse is true. If you love me, I know you love me by if you obey my commands. And you don't love me if you don't obey my commands. Jesus conflates this, these, this idea. Jesus conflates two ideas, love and obedience. He conflates them into the same thing. He said it's two sides of the same point to him, which I think is really, really interesting. And so he, he, goes in, he goes on, he talks about how he is the true vine, and that's where we're going to start reading today. And he, he ends this portion out by, by kind of tying it back into that conflation of love and obedience. Okay? So let's start reading in John chapter 15, verse 1. I should say, here's what I think is on the line today. I'm sorry. Well, I know I keep, I'm going to read it. Here's what I think is on the line for us today. I think what's on the line for us is experiencing Jesus' level of joy. And I think having a full joy. And I think experiencing a, a way of living life as a Christian that's so much deeper. Because here's what I've been thinking about lately. I've been thinking, man, I, I, I really, this might sound weird to some of you, but I really want our church to grow, right? Some, and it's like, okay, yeah, novel concept. Bro. No, I really want our church to grow. I want our campus ministry to grow. We, you know, we've been meeting with the other professionals on campus over the spring term, and it, it's been it's been really fun doing that. And I just really want things to grow. And so I was having some conversations about it, and 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 somebody brought up to me, not not here, not in this room. But somebody brought up to me, well, hey, what? How about we we set a date and we set a number? We're going to grow this much by by this date. And I'll be honest, I, I hear that. There's something that like appeals to me in, a, in, in like, a, like yeah, there's some ambition there. I want to get after that. Like I, I think I naturally lean towards that way. Okay, you, I get a date, I get a number, and if we get that, we're more likely to reach that than if we than if we didn't have it, right? But then I, I start sitting with it, okay? I start sitting with that, and and it doesn't it doesn't sit right. It feels to me a little arrogant to say something like that, right? Well, we're gonna make it grow by this. Stuff. No, no, we're not. It's not, it's not us. Mm. But but still, there's this desire. Well, just, do you want things to grow, though? I, I want us to grow as a church. I want us to grow as disciples, right, as people. But how do we do that in a way that is, I think, maybe more healthy than just, all right, here's here's our number, and we're, we're going to hit it. We're going to have this big motivational speech to get everybody to go out. And do it. But how do we – and then it's okay. Well, the only way that's going to happen is if we're – Paying attention to what's in this scripture next. So mm. Let's start okay. reading it. Yeah, John 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Mm. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So I, I was I was reading into this and I'm like, okay, is there any like interesting little nuances here in, in the Greek translation? You know how I like to do that, right? But mm. it's not. It's actually really this passage is really straightforward. Mm. Uh, prune means to prune. Okay, <laughs> it means to cut. It means to take things off. Uh, to, to be uh, a, the vine dresser, literally, is somebody you know just somebody who would cut things off off a vine or work in a, mm. work in a vineyard. It, and the same is going to be true as we work through this. The scripture was really, really straightforward. But I want to let's talk real quick because Jesus told just told us something about him and God that I think we need to pay attention to. Mm. He just told us something about himself and about God that I think is really, really important. He just said, I am the true vine. Mm. That means there's false vines. Mm. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So let, let's start with Jesus is the true vine. 
I think if we're going to understand, I don't know, if we're going to have a healthy way of, of living life, living life as disciples, wanting to make disciples, wanting to disciple ourselves and people mm-hmm. around us, wanting to grow. And when I use the word grow, please, maybe I should clarify. I, you know, I, don't, I don't mean numbers. I mean much more of a, you know, I think it's much bigger than that, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about the idea of growth and fruit of the Bible. It's much bigger than just, you know, grow, you know, growing by numbers. It's a part of it, but that's mm-hmm. just a, it's zooming in on a much bigger thing. Um, she says, I'm the true vine. So I think this is huge. we got to start here. Because Jesus, he would say statements kind of like this. This echoes some stuff he, he would say. The, the woman at the well, he, he told the woman at the well, look, I, I'm, let me tell you about living water. Right? This, is, this is John chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. They're, at, they're talking at a well. He's talking about the well in the water. If everybody drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Mm-hmm. Jesus talks about this concept that he is, he brings something much, much greater than just momentary thirst quenching, right? Um, so something else super interesting. This is, this is in Jeremiah chapter two verse thirteen. It says, "For this is Jeremiah, you know, prophesying on behalf of God to, to his people." Verse thirteen, Jeremiah two verse thirteen says, "For my people have committed two evils; they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves." broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so there's something going on here. There's like a, a fundamental human truth that's being exposed in these scriptures that we are thirsty. We want things. We're, we have desires and cravings that we want to be satisfied. And, and the, the fundamental truth is that when we, whenever we try to get them satisfied, we are always left unsatisfied. Right? right? Speaking of the woman with the well, whoever tries to drink from this, they're, they're going to be thirsty again. I think there, I think there's a deeper message going on there, but but maybe there's not. But definitely in Jeremiah 2.13, that these people, they have forsaken the fountain of living waters, and they've made their own cisterns of water. Check this out. Those cisterns that they've made are broken. They can't even hold the water. We can try to find our own vines, our own sources of energy and life and in whatever, in motivation, in drive, and we'll try to pull these motivations and drive from things that at the end of the day aren't Jesus. And they're false vines. They're not the true vines. So I think that's huge. One, Jesus is the true vine. He is the only thing that can really, earlier uh, John 14 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Only Jesus does this for us. Okay, I'll keep moving on. And the Father is the vine dresser, right? And he elaborates that every branch of me that does not bear fruit takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so God, that if Jesus is a vine, then God has this, God plays this role of vine dresser. And that there's branches that maybe need to get cut off because they're dead and they're, they're, they're not good for anything. Or maybe there's a branch that's growing really well. He needs to prune it so it can grow even better. Right? Who here does gardening? A few people. Okay, so uh, you know, let's, like, let's, let's talk let's talk rose bushes for a second. Yeah. There's a special way to trim rose bushes. And when you do it, Johanna, uh, do you know what it is? Yeah, I should have yeah, done. Yeah, I should have done my research before I brought up rose bushes. It's like you you take it down, you trim it to like to the third leaf, I think, where there's like three leaves sprouting off or two or something like that. And basically, trim the rose bush. And I I used to trim rose bushes. You know, I, I had I used to do a lot of handyman stuff. I, um, I that's a whole other story. But so I trim rose bushes, and if you trimmed it in such a way, it would look pretty bad actually. 
<laughs> like you're cutting off the, all the roses, and, and you're left with kind of some stumps and thorns. And but if you trim it that way, mm-hmm. it actually grows back way better than it would have if you didn't trim. It. Mm-hmm. And so God also plays this role in us, where where maybe we need to get trimmed, to get pruned, so that it can facilitate more growth. So so Jesus is Jesus is the vine. He's the source of life. God prunes and, and manages that source of life to facilitate even better growth from that vine. Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. Man, Jesus, okay, so Jesus is telling us, now in this in this picture that he's painting for us, right, you've got the, you've got the vine, you've got the vineyard, you've got the vine dresser. It says, on, on this vine, we're, we're the branch. Now, something interesting about the branch is the branch is not the vine. The branch isn't the source of the life that flows through the branch. The branch also is not the fruit. The fruit is a product. And so it's like the vine is this really interesting uh, middleman, right? that is wholly dependent on the vine for life. And that the product that comes from it is not even itself, but it's just a natural byproduct of, of the source and the life that's coming through the vine. He says, that's us. We are wholly dependent on Jesus. He says, if you don't remain in me, if you don't abide in me, you can't do anything good. Anything. So keep reading. Uh, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so as he finishes this, this portion off of this, we trying to communicate to them. He's talking about, okay, look, I'm, I'm a vine, and, and, but, but here's, here's how he concludes it. He talks about, look, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. So if we, if we want to think about how do we abide in Jesus, he, said, he just told us how to do it. He says we, we, uh, we keep his commandments. That's how we remain in him. Right? But he goes on, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. So this is what really starts blowing my mind. Because then he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Now, Jesus, what I think is going on here, Jesus is trying to pass on. He's trying to give us a gift here. He's trying to give us the gift of his joy. He's saying, man, when I obey the Father, man, I I obey the Father's commandments and I remain in his love. I'm there, man. Like I am in that relationship with God as I obey his commandments. And, and I think about a few things that back this idea up. I, I think about um, him going to the cross, right? I think about him denying himself. It hasn't happened in John yet, but it's about to happen. I'm sure it's on his mind. He, he knows what's about to come. He knows the struggle it's going to be to do it. But he lays his life down willingly, he says, for the glory of God because he loves God. 
he trusts God. He wants to serve God. Uh, later on in, in, in another, another scripture, it says that for the joy set out before him, Jesus endured the cross. Like there is a joy in Jesus moving forward in obeying God. Like it provides Jesus a sense of, of joy. To, be, see, to see God's work done. I, I want to read the scripture. This is one I, I want us all to go to. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. I want to read this together. Because, man, I love thinking about the concept of Jesus' joy. And I love that he just said, I want my joy to be in you. I want you to have what I have. I have this relationship with God, right? Man, I just love seeing his will be done, and I want you to experience this. I want you to, I want you to sit in this. I want you to experience what it's like to, to, to experience this, 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 um, this, this combination of love and obedience and relationship. So this is um, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. This is after he sends out the 72 on, on their missionary journey, and they come back. And, and, man, this is incredible. I love this so much. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with, with what? with joy and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name okay so they went out on a missionary trip man they they saw stuff get done they saw they saw people worship god they saw people healed they saw demons submit how crazy is that right they're just like fired up about it you know it's like coming back together it's like the it's like the post game little like yo that was pretty fire dog see we did sorry i'm getting excited uh in verse 18 he says he replied i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now, now here's, okay, here's the thing. They come back and they're fired up. The demons submitted to them. Jesus is going to, he's, he's not going to kill their joy. He's just going to redirect it, okay? And I think Jesus tries, he tries to do that with us. He doesn't want to kill their joy. He's supposed to redirect it. But he says this in, in verse um in verse uh, 20. 20. 20, thank you, guys. However, do not rejoice that the, the Spirit submits to you. He's like, you guys are excited about that? I don't want you to be excited about that. Mm. I want you to be excited, but I don't want you to be excited about that. Here, here's what he says. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You guys saw some amazing things happen. You did some amazing things. And you're really excited about it. Like, you know what? That's cool. You're excited about it. But let me tell you what I want you to be excited about. You did some cool things. Some amazing things. I want you to be excited that you're going to be with God for eternity. Your names are written in heaven. You're going to have this eternal. And that's what heaven's about. Maybe we need to talk. Maybe we need to do some more talking about that. But at the end of the day, it, it, with the, the final picture we have of what things are going to end up like, it's going to be us in eternal communion with God and Jesus and, and all the disciples. It's just going to be amazing, right? That's the end game of heaven is eternal fellowship and communion, relationship with God and with one another. And so like, he's trying to point their attention to that. Hey, mm. it's really cool, but I want you to be excited. Your names are really cool. Mm -hmm. And then he says... Verse 21, here we go. At that time, Jesus, full of what? Joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Man, Jesus is just so excited that his disciples are learning this. He's so excited that, that God's work is getting done, not just in that they went out and, and did some incredible things, but also in the transformation that's happening on a heart and mind level within the disciples. He's like, man, I, it says he was full of joy. That's incredible. That when he saw his disciples change, when he saw them do things, man, it made him so happy. 
But he's so excited. It made him so glad to see these things happening. So if we take this back to uh, John chapter 15 in verse in verse 10, I'm just going to read. I'm just start rereading from there. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. That joy that that He had, it's like, man, I, I want you guys to have it. I want you guys to be so excited about obeying God. We don't, okay, that word obey, we don't associate that. That's not a good word for us, right? That's a bad word for us. Obey's not good. We don't, we don't like to obey. We don't like to submit. We don't like anything. But Jesus, man, if he's saying, look, if you love God, you're going to obey him. And when you obey him, you're going to love seeing what that does in, in your life. Like, I, I want to, let's talk about, let's talk about fruit just, just real briefly. Let's go, let's go to Galatians. Let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. Because to the best of my knowledge, maybe I'm missing something. Please come correct me if I'm missing something. To the best of my knowledge, this is the best definition of any kind of fruit that we have in the Bible. Is this right here? Spirit, Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. He's, he's setting up a he's setting up a contrast here. Talk about the the, the 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 sins of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit. He's setting up a whole contrast here. But this, to the best of my ability, this is the this is the best definition we have of what fruit is in the Bible. And so when we think about bearing fruit, when we think about remaining in Jesus and bearing fruit, man, what I want well, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to read the fruit of the spirit, and I want you to just think, just ask, how would my life be different if I was bearing this fruit? Man, what could just what could change in my life and in my relationships if I was bearing this fruit here? How could my life be different if this was my fruit? How could the people, how could the world around me be different if, if this was the kind of fruit I was bearing? That's a really exciting thing for me to think about. Mm. <laughs> oftentimes I'm not bearing this fruit, you guys, all right? Mm. For being honest. But how do you do it then? Mm. Goes back to John 15. Mm -hmm. We have to abide in Him, remain in Him, remain in Jesus. Let's just go back there. In, uh, I'm going to reread just verse 11, and this, this is where we're going to close it out. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants mm -hmm. us to experience that kind of the, the, the way He remain, abide in God. He wants that same thing for us. Now, okay, it, I'll be honest. When I thought about preaching this, it's like, all right, Daniel, at the end of the day, you're trying to tell people, hey, read the Bible more and pray, right? It's like, well, you know, yeah, but not really. It's a little bit deeper than that. It's about being in love with Jesus. Because if you're in love with Jesus, if you're in love with God, the fruit will be there. It's going to be there. You don't have to be told to bear fruit. That's the thing. Nobody tells the branch to bear fruit. Now branches work. They just do it because they're connected mm. to the vine. Mm -hmm. Guys, I just want us to experience 
that kind of joy. And so anyway, I, to turn all this back, right? When I thought, okay, all this started because I was just thinking, man, I, just, I want things to grow. I want us to grow as people. I want us to grow as a church. To tie it all back to that. Um, yeah, I, I do want that. But here's what I realized. I, I, was, I was confusing the goals. Hmm. The goal is it to bear fruit. Hmm. That's just what happens. Mm-hmm. We're here in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You don't have to set a goal to do it. It just happens. You don't have to set a goal to bear fruit. The, the, the branch doesn't have to set a goal to bear fruit when it's connected mm-hmm. to the vine. It's just, it's just what happens. And so I want us to be people that experience these kind of life changes, this kind of bearing of this fruit. Not because we're setting all these goals or whatever. And, you know, we can talk about practicals, right? We can, we can talk about invites. We can talk about training and outreach and make yourselves. We can do all that. It's okay. It's okay to do all that. But I don't want to sit up here in front of us and just bang a drum and, hey, let's, let's meet this goal. Let's meet this goal. Because that's not the goal of the day. My goal is that we abide in Christ. That's my mm-hmm. Let's go for my life, for me. Let's go for my family. That's what I want for Joel. I want Joel growing up thinking that Christianity is about meeting all these demands and doing all these things. I want him to see that following Jesus is about experiencing this deep soul-level satisfaction that you can't get anywhere else from any other broken systems that we try. That's what I want for Joel. So that's what I want for us as a church. And I want us to grow up. I do but I don't want to forget what the actual goal is. And when we chase it after the actual goal, that stuff, it just comes. Mm-hmm. Let's remain in Jesus. Let's abide mm-hmm. in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's, talk, let's do that real quick. Just real fast. Yeah, okay, abiding, abiding in Christ. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways that could look. Yeah, I, I do think, yeah, man, we've got to know his word, right? He says, you're going to abide in me if you keep my words. Well, how are you going to keep them if you're not in it? You're not saturating yourself with this. Because there's so many other vines that are trying to fuel us, to try to feed us, man. We've got to be saturated with the true vine. This matters that we, man, we are in this thing, right? I think, um, I think at the end of the day, what helps me think about how do I abide in Christ? He says something really interesting. He says to his disciples, right? Because this is the upper group. It's just, it's just, a, it's a small group. It's a really intimate setting. He says, then you guys, you're already clean. I've already washed you. Just remain where you are. And so when I think about myself abiding in Christ, I try to look at, all right, Daniel, you've been baptized. Your sins have been forgiven. God has loved you. He reached down into the mess that was your life, and he pulled you out of it, not because you could do anything for him, but just because it pleased him and he wanted to. And so when I go back there, man, it's, that's, man, it's staying there. It's being constantly connected to the gospel reality in my life. The Christ has saved me despite me. Not to spite me, but despite me. Right? So let's just remain there. And look, if you're not there, say that out, man. It's incredible what God is trying to provide us in, in, a, in a life of discipleship following Jesus. So, God's message today, I just want us to abide in Christ. I want us to bear fruit, but I don't want us to confuse. I don't want us to confuse and get the wrong goal in mind. Mm-hmm. I want us to keep the right goal in mind. So by, by yeah. the Christ.
Let me pray. God, thank you so much just for giving us a chance to dig into your word today. That we try to just hear you speak to us through Jesus. That, that we try to just be close to you, God. And I, I pray, it, it's my honest prayer to, and for, for myself, for my family, for the church, that we can just abide in you. Mm. And, and when we do, we experience this fruit. We experience mm. this soul-level satisfaction, this level of, of joy. Mm. God, I, I pray that we consider how do we go after experiencing Jesus' joy? How do we go after remaining in him, being in him? Mm. That we can be a people, we can be a church that are just madly in love with mm. you. God, that's what I want for this church. We love you. We thank you. I'm proud of your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. out to by Dennis a couple days back um, about this, if I could do communion today. To be really honest with you, I was very reluctant. reason for that is because I just know my life personally has been, for lack of, I guess, uh, a mild term for it, tedious lately. I'm very busy. And I'm missing a lot of the heart of why I do what I do. Remember God. Uh, you know, I want to help. I like being I like being a set of helping hands of things. But I know like just helping things and just doing things all the time isn't gonna actually fill you, it's not gonna actually be sustainable. <laughs> and so thinking about this sort of thing, you know, talking about communion is tough when you're in a place like that because you don't feel like you're worthy of talking about these things, you know. God did this for you, this sacrifice <laughs> for you, and it's really it's amazing what he did for us all. You know, he's mm. he's cleansed all our sin. He's able to give us all freedom if we choose him. But the hard thing is that you have what I've what I've been learning over the last half year to a year, you know, as a Christian, and, and uh, over really you know a few years of you know having accepted Christ in my life is that no one is telling you to do this you, know, you have to do it for yourself mm-hmm. with God you have to have that relationship with God personally that's what drives you to do the things that you do for him mm-hmm. you know, looking at uh, Isaiah 30 verse 15 for a second um, not going to dig in the context here but just think of the words said here this is what the sovereign Lord the Holy One of Israel says in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none. When life gets heavy and it's long and difficult, you have to have rest. You have to relax. You have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not just physical, you know, like eating better, you know, not, or working out. Yes, those things are great too. They're important. But you got to be able to just stop and just spend time with them. You know, just just sit down, relax, read. You know, meditate on life. Consider what's really important, you know, why I do what I do, how I live, how I live, you know. And so thinking about uh, thinking about this today, you know, and thinking about communion, what it is, right? You know, it's the last Passover feast before Jesus, you know, is crucified and dies and was buried, you know, and that rose again from the dead. Um, you know, he says, you know, that, you know, eat, you know, uh, this is my body and take the cup, you know, this is my blood. 
he shed for you. You know, do this in remembrance of me. For as you take the bread and eat the cup, or drink of the cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he is risen. Mm-hmm. Um, or until he comes. Like. What I want people to consider with their lives as they're taking bread and the cup today is just how seriously do I take my life as a Christian? Mm-hmm. You know, or if you're considering Christ in life, you know, am I taking the steps I need to to actually nurture that and go mm-hmm. for that, go after that? Not for anyone else, not for anything God's trying to lead you to, per se, just to be with Him. Mm-hmm. Because as you seek Him, seek first kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will provide to you. Mm-hmm. Relationships, direction, goals, aspirations, all of that. Doesn't mean you don't put work in all those things, because that matters a lot too. But you have to put him first, personally, mm-hmm. you and him, no matter what. So, if you bow your heads and pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Daniel's encouraging service today and you know i'd really latch to the biting christ on that because that's that's the thing we all need that we that's the first priority in our lives mm. help us to keep our focus on you and mm-hmm. help us to own our relationships with you mm-hmm. each and every one of us individually with you you know <laughs> so we can own our relationships in life with each other and really keep moving forward the way that you designed for us the way that you know would be best for us you know, we can't see these things. We're not supposed to entirely see them. I honestly think you kind of make, make us have to see them in hindsight after we've done it. But, Father, just help us to own our lives with you today and every day, Father, going forward. Thank you for just willing me to share this today. This is really difficult, but thankful. Father, love you. Thank you. I pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. I also want to pray for contribution. Um, I'll give everyone a minute, of course.